This is Goggler Presents Picard's Flute. We are down to the last two episodes of Star Trek Picard, and this one has a fancy Latin title. It's called Et in Arcadia Ego. Ooh. Did you look it up? And I had to Google that to find out what it means. In Paradise I Am, right? Uh, well, no, in, in Paradise I Am, but the I Am is death. What? Oh. So it is a, based on a painting, a French Baroque painting by Nicolas Poussin, and it basically is about the inevitability of death even in paradise. So the I essentially being death, thus oh. referring, I'm assuming, to Dodge and Soji's homeworld. That's essentially uh, where we find ourselves in this episode. But first, I have to say the best part of this episode was that initial battle sequence that was kind of cool. That was awful. Especially when a ball cube comes through and then there are flying orchids. Come on, man. (sighs) That was like... How how did you not like that? That was cool. I I like the conduit. I like them dealing with that. I like 25 years and 15 minutes. That's all cool. We We get the old school red alert noise. Yes, yeah. and th- and then they did space fighters in Star Trek, which never fucking works. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I thought there was enough tension. It created a mood, man. I was up and down on it because it's like, okay, we got the old school space zooms. Like you could tell that the, the, the La Serena was pretty far from the conduit when the torpedo came out. Yeah. So they had to do the Battlestar Galactica Serenity style zoom. Yeah. So it was like this is really far away. But then fucking Narek's right up that arse again, shooting like pew 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 pew, and literally it's going pew 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 pew. But he is in a fighter ship, though. He's not in a. He's not in like a a big starship. Yeah, and that's perfectly that's perfectly fine in Star Wars. But when they do it in Star Trek, remember all those Maquis ships? What were those little things, winged raiders called? I can't remember what they were called, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. But like the point is, like you have slow turning circles. You've got slight conservation of momentum, but with warp engines providing constant propulsion. So I was like. Was, I was up and down that whole battle. I was like, okay, the, the, the noise the Borg cube came through, made coming through the conduit, it was like this womp. It was like, ah, fucking Skrillex is here. <laughs> that's that's weird because I really enjoyed that. Yeah, like Bahe, when that happened, Bahe was on the couch going, now we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm then, on board now. But then the flower thing is like, space is... Huge. I mean, space is big. You won't believe how vastly hugely mind-bogglingly big it is. I mean, you may think it's a long way down the road to chemists, but that's just peanuts to space. Like, the moment they saw the flowers, it should have been, we've got at least half an hour to get out of the way. Maybe they were really big flowers, though, with the envelope, the whole ship, man. Yeah, sure. I mean, they took in a board cube with flowers. I just like, ah, oh, a weird laser. Pulling a it weird down. beam or something. It was odd. <laughs> Man, you lame. I thought the flowers were cool. I thought it got I thought it got lamer on the planet. Yes, I agree. Because but I was totally on board with the flowers. I like the battle sequence, but then for me, for some reason, this episode felt too much of a throwback, relying on some really boring science fiction tropes. Like every old episode of Star Trek features them going to a planet that is supposedly utopian. And then everything turning on its head, right? We've seen it so many times. I think this episode was just too much. I mean, this should have been like, the, not the last two episodes, but maybe the but last spread three out. episodes. Yeah, there was way too much going on here. And there were, like like that battle scene, I was up and down on it as well. As soon as they landed on the planet, the everyone, the lighter of everyone's face, the the, the, the as, as um, Rios flicks his lighter, his, his trusty that cigar was lighter to light them on. That was really you cool. see everyone's face, it's really cool shots. And then you have uh, Rafi saying, they hit us with a flower? 
Like, that was cool. And then all of a sudden, it felt like the Comic-Con trailer where you've got, like, shots of Picard doing stuff. He's, like, having yeah. little weird flashbacks. It's like, what is this? Uh. What's going on here? And I liked all that. But then it's just like, uh, let's go to the queue because we need that for later. We have to set, some, we have to set up the spin-off with Elnor and, and Seven or whatever. We have to see Seven kicking Romulans off a shelf for some reason. See, I think this episode kind of brought me onto the same page as you guys with regards to Elnor, because this episode has him proving himself to be absolutely worthless. Didn't I say that he only was left behind so he could have a hug with Picard near the yes. second last episode? Did I yes, not say did. that many, many episodes ago? You did say that. You did say it. But I kept hoping that they would use him to greater effect with Seven. But at the same time, you had two episodes with Hugh, two episodes with Seven, two episodes with Picard. So... He's just being shuffled around from main character mm. to main character without actually yeah. developing him other than someone who's really cool with a sword. No, but the problem is it's not even a main character. He's being shuffled around by with, with all these sort of highlights from the past, right? Yeah. I don't give a shit who Q is. You know, I'm still unsure about Seven of Nine. It's just and it's a I good thing we're recording this remotely. I'd reach through that screen and slap you across the face for that. But I really don't. <laughs> you know, and it's like I, you put you put Two characters I really don't give a shit about in Elnor and Hugh. And I'm just like, don't don't care. Move along. There was a, a, another, again, it feels like a, a number of scripts stitched together where like Picard says, oh, poor Hugh. Like what could have driven uh, such a peaceful character to violence? And it's like, what? What's that about? Where'd that come from? That's But even then, I would have been okay with it if they had spent more time with it. But immediately after that line, he's like, the ball cube works. Let's go do stuff. I'm not going to yeah. mourn my best friend at all. And that, for me, was just really compressed. It's like these two episodes should have been the last four episodes. Spread it out a little so there's time for these things to breathe. And you're right, Ian. I like these individual moments. Like, I know I'm a sucker, but when I saw Spot 2, let me tell you, counselor, I don't know why I'm crying, right? I mean, I'm a sucker for that sort of stuff and that works. But at the same time, it felt like a cheap shot. I knew it was a cheap shot when I saw it, but I was yeah. like, okay, that's for me. But my em- my empathic else... abilities, my empathic abilities are telling me that you might be lame. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think so. I think so. But at, at the same time, this is my conflict with the episode. There are some moments that showed real character growth. Like, for example, that I love you moment between Raffi and Picard is not something that would have happened in The Next Generation because Picard was such a cold, unfeeling bitch. But now, after everything that's happened in the season, I could believe that interaction and that reaction, but only after nine episodes. Yeah. I mean, again, yeah, and I think it's... They should have... It was in there, but it wasn't... They should have been focused on more. There's still, like, a messy season at this point. Like, there's a moment where, you know, when, they, when he explains to everybody, yes, I have a weird brain thing, and anyone who treats me like a dying man will run the risk of pissing me off. And that's like... That's a good line. That's a great line. It's a great delivery. It's a great setup. Everyone's standing there. And that's a great moment. And it's just, again, we we haven't still... Raffi still feels weird as a character. It doesn't feel like oh. she's settled into it. Like, I think even Agnes is more... I don't think... I'm not sure if it's, it's a combination of the performance and the character and everything. I think Agnes is more... A little bit more relatable in some ways. I think going back to what you said, Uma, about how Picard's just... It feels weird. Picard's characterization and a lot of his lines just feel emotionally weird from beat to beat and I think sort of it's almost similar to what you were talking about Ian about how it feels like these are pages from different scripts he 
he jumps around emotionally very quickly. And and again, I know you guys are saying that that's because he used to be a cold, heartless bitch. But I I find that very hard to to see in this show. Yeah. I mean, they, they should have had some a bit more of that over the episodes and maybe cut out the dodgy French accent from that one episode. My 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 biggest problem, however, with the episode was this, just that weird scene after they land on the planet, where everyone's having a debrief, but Picard mm. sitting by himself for some reason just to meet the Soji clone, mm. and it mm. feels like just one of those moments that's, uh, what did you call it, Ian, to serve the plot as opposed to serve the story because yeah. you wanted her to be shot from behind, walking up towards Picard. We don't know who it is. Uh, even care. though, um, even though it, we kind it, of it, figured it, we, there would be a twin, yeah. right? Because her twin was murdered on the Ibn Majid. So, and because yeah. they always come in pairs. But at the same time, it just felt like, why isn't Picard with everyone else? Why yeah. isn't he sitting I mean, with we, the rest of the team? We've already, like we said, I've said before about Stranger Things, like the time to team up, team up has reduced every episode, every season. So it's like, you know, the first season, everyone figures out what's going on in groups together. It's the episode eight or nine or whatever like that. Now it's two or three. This should have been like, we're already together. We have now formed a crew. It's like, yeah, we're, we, Picard's dying. It's cool. We're going to do stuff. Let's stick together. Let's all, let's stop parceling out information. It's that thing from, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Guy Ritchie's Man from Uncle, where I'm just going to, I'm just going to, something's happening here. I'm just not, I'm going to show you it, but not let you hear what's happening just so I can do a cool thing later. And that's, that's, I feel like it, it's, it's not lazy writing. It's just, it's writing that doesn't feel natural to storytelling. It should be like yeah. a surprise when something comes out of place. And also, there's just so much, right? I mean, we're hearing more about the admonition. Uh, we get uh, introduced to another version of Sung. Yeah, Alton Inigo Sung, son of the, his other son, his other kid, apart from that. Which, I mean, it's a retcon, but it's also a really nice way to get Brent Spiner back in the show without shit tons of makeup. And make a joke about getting old and fat. and Yeah, schlubby. Yeah, I think that works. And it was great seeing Brent Spiner play off Picard in a new and different way because they're actually at odds. And I think that was quite fun, even with the early Next Generation episodes with Sung as well, because we got to see uh, Picard face off, and even with Lore, Picard face off with a version of Data that isn't the loyal Starfleet officer, which is cool. But... Yet again, there's this subplot of Sung building a golem. We don't know if Sung's dying as well. Yeah, it's something to pronounce it a golem, not golem, right? Which is yeah. like, come on, the fuck. <laughs> golem, golem. <laughs> You're building a small Andy circus? Why? And there's so much in this plot, in this episode, that feels like you had an entire episode dedicated to people cosplaying on a casino planet. And yet you cram all of this into the last hour where we're supposed to have hopefully a happy and fulfilling resolution mm. and i'm worried that they're not going to be able to finish any of this yeah a lot of this show really feels like i it's hard to say it feels like bad writing because of who who's behind behind the crew right like you've got akiva goldsman you've got michael shabon it just feels like a lot of this characterization just jumps around a lot and a lot of this there's no real... It feels like the character threats don't attach episode to episode. It's funny because it feels in many ways to me like the first season of Discovery, where once they go into the alternate dimension, it becomes a completely different show and everything gets rushed towards the end mm. because suddenly we've forgotten, pretty much forgotten the Klingon War. Yeah. And we're worrying about who's evil and who's good and who's the Empress and all of that stuff. And yeah. then they somehow tie everything up together in the last episode, but then season two takes such a different tone 
where they make up for all of those mistakes. I thought they would do that. I thought they would have learned from that from Picard, but it seems like Picard's going in that direction too. I'm also, uh, I was listening to uh, the, ba- the Fat Man Beyond podcast with Kevin Smith and Mark Bernardin recently. So Mark Bernardin did put up on his Instagram that he is now working on Picard season two, but he mentioned on the podcast, you could say it, that um, they're working on season two, they're breaking season two and three at the same time. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Which, with all the talk about Picard not being well, and I don't know, that Golem thing, like what? Are they going to transfer him into a, into a young Tom Hardy clone or something? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, there's a lot, it's, it's a weird plot point to introduce at this point. You shouldn't be really introducing a whole new, it's like new MacGuffins at this point. It should be yeah. like, we, it should be the Martian there. It should be smart people solving um, things. And I did like the fact that the, the admonition is not, um, a warning about that in the way we thought it was. It's a war- That's it's, right. It's a, it's a it's a beacon to say to any uh, uh, synthetics, you know, if you need help, we're he- out here. I mean, I, the fact that you can't, the fact that you can't just call them and say like, we just need a little hand. Don't eliminate all the organics around us, please. Yeah, I mean, for me that beca- that was cool because, you know, from a from an organics point of view, that that same message can mean two things, right? From an organics point of view, it's oh my God, the synths are all going to kill us. But from a synth point of view is, okay, they're all, yeah, we're get, we can save you, right? We, they're going to kill you, but we can come in and save you. So that's, it's really interesting that there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a perspective situation with regard to that message. I like that little twist on the admonition. For me, that worked. Uh, that was one of the few kind of plot revelations that did work. I did not like the evil Soji as much. Because, what was the name? Um, Sana? No. Sutra. So I didn't like the evil Soji as much just because I found that while um, Isa Brions is a great actress, it feels like suddenly they forgot about Soji and they made this character act. The thing. Yeah. You know? It feels like because Sutra must have been one of the earlier models because her sister was the one that was killed on the Ibn Majid. And I think the earlier models had the data skins and then it feels like the newer models end up looking like Dodge and Soji more human-like because that seemed to be the progress that the scientists were making, right? You mean more human than human? More human than human, correct. I did not see that at all. I mean, I I just thought that maybe they were unfinished, <laughs> you know? That's just the undercoat. They haven't put the proper coating yet, the final coat on the top. Because that was just really weird, that shiny gold thing. So are we clear on the timeline now? Is it that, like, was it the Ibn Majid was nine years ago, but 13 years ago was the band, so Maddox went off with Brent Spiner and did all this stuff and created all these clones? That's what it sounds like. Yeah. So they only had one ship and they went off with that. So how did Soji and Dadge get off and how did uh, Maddox get off? If the only sh- You said we had one ship and it's gone. Or maybe that was the last ship Maddox had. It's still, it's just weird plotting. This, this, is, this shouldn't be stuff we have to be trying to figure out. It should be pretty obvious, but it's not pretty obvious, right? It just feels like they should start landing a lot of these things. Yeah, like why, why would Flower, who, and we, never, we haven't found out who Flower's twin was yet, have we? No. So why were Flower and so, uh, older Soji, where were they, were they popping out to the shops for some bread or something? Like why, they, if Maddox why did was they there, have to it, make first contact, right? It's not a, I mean, it's a first contact situation from the other guy's point of view because they don't know what these androids are or whatever like that. But from the other people's point of view, it's like, ah, shit, there's the Federation. They banned in synthetics. We should probably stay away from them. But they called it the diplomatic mission, right? But why? Like, <laughs> well, the only like reason I can said, think of is that they, 
they thought themselves as a viable society slash race because the people they are summoning now, these advanced race of synthetics, synthetic gods, if you will, um, they're calling them because now they're basically they're behaving like a minority race that's being oppressed by the Federation and the Romulans, right? So I think that's why they were thinking in nine years, we've reached that stage where we should be recognized for who we are. And so we're going to try a first contact situation. Oh, no, we've been horrifically murdered by a random dude. Did I mention last week the guy who played Maddox isn't the same guy who played Maddox in the old show? Yeah, I just found that out as well. Isn't the same actor. And I'm like, well, you got <laughs> the, the same, same actor, actor for Hugh and yeah. Iseb. So why not? Icheb's not the same actor either, apparently. Oh, Icheb's not I'm the not same sure. actor? I'm not sure if he is or not, but then I was watching another Roundup show and they were saying how he said some stuff online that's not very much in the spirit of Star Trek. Oh. So they were like, whether they brought the actor back and just murdered him so he could never do anything. Like he was supposed to be at conventions and stuff and they cancelled that stuff. So I think he's cancelled now. Oh, wow. <laughs> but just, there's, a weird thing that I, there's a weird thing that popped up that was something that was kind of an element of the... Not, it's not ramshackle in any way. Like, I mean, it is weird. Like they just seem to live in a hotel like a, a luxury hotel all the androids do. But there was something I couldn't help noticing in the background, which was out the outside of Rios' ship. Did you notice that logo? Yeah. That's the Ulsterbank logo from the mid-90s. <laughs> <laughs> I found it really glaring. I was like, it's, I mean, it looks like the recycling logo anyway, but it's just, it. I, it's the same layout and everything. They literally stuck on it. It's like, it's the same with the space battles. Like, you know, Michael Lakuda is on Twitter. He's a great follow. He's the guy who designed the LCAR system. And stuff. Like, they're doing cool things, but they're not thinking it all the way through. They need to have a science correspondent. They need to have someone like Google. Someone who'll use image. They don't know how to use Google Images search to reverse search the logo going to use to make sure it wasn't used by someone else before for a different reason. And that feels the same way with the plotting. It's like, oh, yeah, that'll work. How do we get this thing? Well, there's these flowers that take your power away. Okay, that'll work. It's like no one's saying, like no one's being Ryan Reynolds with the fucking medical mask going, but why? Yeah. Why are there flowers? What are the flowers? Are the flowers an offshoot of some technology? Is it like if you if you have it at the wrong temperature, you get a rope, you get a, a twin, and at the other one, you get these giant fucking space. Was there a <laughs> shot of five? Was there a shot of like five yes, space flowers five, floating in the yes, sky? Floating in the like, sky. Yeah, I saw that. Engines on the flowers? Are they just really tall plants? Is there Starling? But were they in the were they in low Earth orbit? Were they just hanging there? Was that a cool shot? Or were they like was, it was that a like, cool shot. prepare the flowers for war? Launch the flowers. They've only got five left, so maybe they're just on, you know, defensive duties. I mean, it depends what kind of show you're trying to do, right? I mean, it shouldn't either it doesn't matter at all where you're just doing a character-driven show, which is what you kind of set out to do in episode one, trying to focus on these characters and ignore all of that stuff, at which point I would be fine with it. Or you're trying to do a real Star Trek, Star Trek show where everything does need to be explained, like what they did in Discovery and the Mm. folding of space drive and all of this stuff. Yeah. But this one seems to half-ass both. Yes. And that's what's concerning because... I'm not worried about where they're going to take the characters. I'm worried about episode 10 and whether we're going to feel satisfied or if anyone's going to feel satisfied with where the story is going. What is the current outlook now with regards to how people are responding to the show? Is it being well received? Some people it's like mixed. it, some people don't. Some people hate it. Like uh, the, the, the Red Letter Media guys, their first couple of episodes were like, this show, it's not Star Trek. That was their complaint about it. Now they've softened on, it on certain aspects of it, but then yeah, the, 
comedy French accents hard to get over. Um, and other shows like I detested their their podcast. They were talking about it, and like the the, the fan service works for them. They're older guys, um, so for them, they're liking the fan service. Where the other people are getting annoyed by the fan service, even though they li- they they should like it because it feels like it's pandering to them, and you know it's not propping up the the the, the structure of the show the way it should. But like like this, it, I think it's a mixed bag with that. The Riker Troy stuff perfectly propped up the, the purposes Correct. of the show. The, the Elnor, the Elnor stuff seems like I don't know. It's someone's building a gazebo in the garden. But that's not even reason. that's not even fan service, right? The, that just feels like house. really weird, a really weird character introduction, and a character that they haven't used very well. Exactly. I mean, that's but that's the thing. I mean, the show could be a lot more fan servicey, and they've kind of held back in that sense. I mean, Seven of Nine hasn't mentioned Janeway once, and you know, if you want to be fan servicey, you could do that, but. And, and I applaud them for that. I applaud them for having that much restraint because even when they used Riker and Troy, I thought it was used very, very well. Um, even using yeah. Brent Spiner as opposed to Data the way they're doing is also very, very good. Yeah. And so all of that is yeah. some really well thought through stuff. But then the core of this episode, I'm still annoyed at the fact that the core of this episode is this, ooh, what are these utopian race of people doing? Oh no, they're murderers! Which mm. is like... 20 other Star Trek episodes. Exactly. Damn it. You would have thought Picard wouldn't be shocked by this anymore. He's been through <laughs> it enough times. Maybe this, maybe the truth about this utopian society has something to say about our utopian No, society. they're murderers. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 at the Federation, aren't we all the murderers we made along <laughs> the way? Can I also just ask, is this a thing where like, and I'm assuming it is, but like when 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 Picard was in the room making a phone call, he sort of like essentially just announces what he's calling them on. This is Picard on the low yeah. frequency, high density, whatever. Just like that's weird. Every time I'm gonna call Umana, it was interference or pirate radio just cutting in. Yeah, I'm gonna call every time I'm gonna call one of you guys, I'm gonna be like, This is Bayer calling on the mobile telco movement. It's like I'm calling no, the thing is, he's an old man. You know the episode of The Simpsons with Mr. Burns where Hello! he's trying to deliver something? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He goes, I would like to I would like to get this package on the last auto gyro to Prussia, if by by today possibly. And the, the guy, the the uh, was a spotty teen behind the counter is like, I don't understand any of those words, mister. <laughs> That's what people are. <laughs> Hello, I'm calling you on the telephone. Yeah. That's just I just thought that was weird. But anyway. No, that's that's just your dad. I'm Hello? Yes. No, I'm on the mobile. I'm not at home. Your mother's not with me. <laughs> and then there are 298 Romulan ships on their way to destroy everyone. Seems like overkill. No, but also, it's the 298. They're sending 298 ships because they do think it's the end of their civilization as they know it. So maybe not overkill, right? They've all had these weird visions telling them kaboom. But it's again, I don't know how those... The, the Warbirds... Did you see the preview of next week's episode? No. No. Huh. But so far, the warbirds, they look like ass. They look like you <laughs> wings on. Like, they don't look great. Um, they look small, right? I mean, compared to the Borg cube, they look smallish, right? Yeah. Um, but like even, you know, the Enterprise on a bad day could completely fuck up your planet just with like a sustained phaser blast into your mantle and just like destabilize your planet's crust and destroy everything. Wow, that was, that has to be the nerdiest thing you said. No, no, go further. Like yeah. that's, that's no, but that's low level. It's like um, when I talked about space stuff before, and they talk about star destroyers in Star Wars. It's like they're called star destroyers. There's no need for a Death Star. A star destroyer on its own can fuck up a planet. Yes, it'll take probably four and a half minutes longer than the Death Star. But like, but what's four and a half minutes? Yeah, 
Um, it's efficiency. The, the Empire is efficiency exports. The same, but like, you know, if you fire a photon torpedo or a brace of them at the same spot, it'll crack your planet in half. You know, they're not, that's it. And all, all these guys handily live in the same area, you know? Yeah. No shields, three ships. Yeah. They're fucked. It's this kind of, oh, we have to have menace and threat. We sent all these ships. It's like, okay, so the Borg Cube will have a fight. Um, will the aliens turn up and be our friends? What do you think is it going to be? Will Picard, I, I did like the way that they said, you know, uh, they were like, oh, lock away Picard because we can't have you doubting ourselves and losing our conviction. Yeah, that I like. Like, I, I did like that idea that's like his superpower is arguing you to death. Well, I mean, even uh, even Sung kind of points that out, right? It's like, look at that weathered face. Yeah. And that voice. I mean... You're confusing us with your oldness. Your exactly. wisdom is confusing. Exactly. We just want to go on spring break and touch each other's faces. Let us do it. Big picture, though. Big picture-wise, I do like the idea of a race of synthetics. There's never been a full sustained storyline with like an entire race of synthetics in Star Trek. And that's kind of cool. Like you're, you're getting first contact, a first contact situation and you're getting possibly interesting new stories involved with these, with this race of artificial beings. That's all kind of cool. I think it might be good as well, where it'll be like Borg plus plus. Like if they're, I don't know, what's the, is it Kepler, Kessler, that scale of like planets? Like when you've harnessed the entirety of your sun, you're at level three or some shit like that. I don't know. You ever hear that scale? Yeah, there's, so there's like this idea of these these guys, if they're out there, the Federation's not even aware of them because we're at, they're ants to them, right? So I would let the, the, that idea of a first contact where the the Federation or humanity is on the back leg. And even the Borg are out of like, the Borg are like, we don't like this. We like to, they're individually be added to our own. They're not individual enough for, there's no, there's no, you, you, or the organic element of it is something we like kind of thing. Even though these are friendly pet NBs, that would be that, that, that would be interesting kind of thing. Uh, no, I think it would be very interesting. The risk, of course, is that they go down a Battlestar Galactica route, which has been done and would be kind of boring. So hopefully they've got some new ideas with regards to synthetics. And it's not just about we hate our creators and therefore we have far surpassed them and must destroy them. Although, to be fair, if James Callis turned up as the avatar of the AIs, I a- would think it would be pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm still, I'm still enjoying the series. I just have too many nitpicks with this particular episode like i i would have liked it if they hadn't approached it in such a typical way because they set out to be such an atypical series mm. yeah and then you find that the build-up is to something so painfully predictable in this episode uh, there was a thing that kind of stood out to me which was when they got to the village of idiots and they were like standing on a hill shop and they they pass by everyone's face as they're looking at it yeah and it's like in the other, in the old Trek shows, it would have been like a behind the back shot of them, just like the five of them standing there. You see the thing and it's a quick Mac painting because we don't have the effects for this and it's time to move on. And you're like shown the convention center and it's like, okay, this is nice, but like we didn't need that. Like, why are you doing this? Like their focus seems to be off at all times. It's like we're, we're powering up the Borg Cube for reasons that will come eventually later, but the reasons we inserted into the script after we realized we had a plot hole in the next script. Yeah. It just seems everyone's That's directing what it feels like. different odds. It doesn't feel like... Uh, uh, like Even Discovery for all its problems, it does feel more of a unified vision. Yes. Yeah. 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 This one feels like they're setting up a lot of threads. I mean, even the whole thing with Seven of Nine, as cool as it would be to have a rogue Borg cube with Seven of Nine in charge, kicking ass throughout the galaxy, 
It just feels a little unnecessary in Picard. It feels like it's for a different show. Yeah, yeah. and I think a Borg, a Borg cube kicking ass, I mean, I think that should be part of the hair metal theme tune to that show. <laughs> Seven of nine kicking ass across the galaxy in a Borg cube. And Elnor's there too. Yeah, I think I think this show has a lot of, I mean, even as a non-Trek fan, it just, there's a lot of nitpicky issues with this show. You know what I mean? It just feels like character feels weird. Um, relationships between characters. Episode to episode things feel weird. I don't know, man. I, I'm having a hard time with this one. Where do we think it's going to go for season two and three at, at this? Like, Picard's going to get magically healed. With Borg Nana he has to, shy. yeah, because that because that plot line's going nowhere. It's like they introduce to say, well, maybe we can play off on this later, and there's like, eh, we can play it off in it in season three, or we just ignore it and cure it now, I guess. No, but that but that's that's really interesting. You brought that up because it's it feels like they don't know where they're going. They've set up all these things, and then they're not sure if they're going to pick it up or they're just going to let it lie, uh, and that's. And that's what I meant earlier when I said it just I hate to call it bad writing because it's not it doesn't feel concrete it doesn't feel like one big piece. I need Picard to be disappointed once again with Starfleet and then kind of break away from it. And then go then go do his archaeological expedition we wanted from the start and it turns out that it's a weapon a galaxy destroying weapon he happens upon with Rios and those Rios is a Rios is actually an archaeology student the two of them go out and hit bars. <laughs> That'd be a good show. That'd be a weird one. And there's your, there's sure. your spin-off right there. Only Rios is always dressed like the pimp character he was, the data pimp he was in that episode. He always has that. And Picard <laughs> speaks with that French accent the I, whole time. I don't want any more French speaking Picard. Yeah, but no, I think he needs to be, I think, I think he needs to move away from Starfleet because right now, all we've been told throughout this series is that he's been disappointed with Starfleet and he's moved away and ditched them. I think he really needs to ditch them. I think Starfleet needs to somehow come out looking like they need to be rebuilt from the inside. Sorry, again. <laughs> it's like there's that episode where like that Admiral was full of bugs. There's that episode where this Admiral was just straight up evil. There's this, episode, yeah. there's this movie where they had a secret <laughs> weapons program. You know. But I think they need to build towards, they need to build towards Discovery as well. I think they're going to tie these series together. So if the Discovery is 990 years in the future, they're probably going to have to set the Roots of Starfleet's downfall here. Yeah, and this is the. I mean, this it, the the trailer for next week uh, has like some things coming out of portals and I don't know AI shit. Like I, mean, I presume it it's got to tie in with control or whatever the hell was going on there. And like whether Voy- whether Voyager Oy. Voyager theme again <laughs> when Seven turned up. I noticed it this time. Didn't care. Um, whether Discovery deals with like the aftermath of the synthetic human war. Yeah. Um, and whether this you know because. Uh, they're probably reading some like was even Neil Asher or I think it was also uh, Ian M. Banks had this idea of like civilizations or um, intelligences reaching a certain point where they actually just leave the universe. They sublimate into like um, the quantum domain or black holes or whatever because they don't need to... Like Babylon 5 too. Yeah, they don't need to stick around here. They just ascend to a higher level and disappear. And like this idea of these creatures coming from there, but they should be cool enough not to wipe the rest of us out. It's the Vorlons, man. Yeah, it's the robot Vorlons. Robot Vorlons. No idea what that is. See, you need to watch Babylon 5. No, God, no, please don't. If restricted movement goes on past uh, March, guess what we're doing next, Bahir? <laughs> no way in hell am I watching Babylon 5. <laughs> no, Babylon 5 is that 
fucking great, man. Yeah, April 1st. It's the and, dawn and, of the third age of mankind. And to be fair, to be fair, Babylon 5, only the CG has dated. I think the writing still holds up. I was watching season three the other day. The writing actually holds up. Meanwhile, there's a lot of next generation writing that really doesn't. You can't just drop that in there. I was watching season three of Babylon 5 the other day. <laughs> Why? I don't know. I came across it on my iTunes and I was like, ooh, I remember this episode about the Inquisitor. I like this episode. God. Weirdo. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so Star Trek Picard episode nine is out. We need you to check it out if you haven't already. If you haven't already, why are you listening to us spoil it? But let us know what you think of the series so far. There's only one episode left. And hopefully things get resolved. You know what, man? It's going to be a magical one hour where all of our answers, all of our questions get answered. I don't know if I want that either. Yeah. No, no, I don't. Yeah. I'm joking. That would be the worst possible thing. Yeah, it's like everyone's everyone's shaking hands. Everything's good. And then Species 8472 turns up. Oh, God, I hate Species 8472. Oh, and, and also Janeway's riding a unicorn. <laughs> man, you guys joke, but it might just happen. <sighs> <now>. <laughs> Let us know what you think. You can get in touch with us on all of our socials, GogglerMY and also Goggler.my slash contact. This is another episode of Picard's Flute signing out. Hailing frequencies off.